I think I need you to talk me off the ledge. Can you? I, 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 I. All right, Martin, you ready? Okay. In three, two, one. We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Try from the North Brave and Bold to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, and I'm joined today by Martin Trombone Capone Heemstra. Martin, how's it going down in Moscow? Doing good, Brian. How about yourself? You know, in spite of what we're going to be talking about in like two minutes, things are always good when we talk Vandal sports. Oh, yeah. And as I may have just, you know, spoiler alert, let you guys know, today we have some good news. We have some not-so-good news. We're going to cover both the men's and women's basketball teams taking on Sacramento State in our first week of Big Sky Conference play. But first, a nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky country. The best part is, when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like CW Ogs and, and Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out some snacks. And with that, Martin, we led last week with the women's because they were projected to finish higher than the men's. Mm-hmm. We're going to lead this time with the men's because, I mean, I, I think I think we're already in the world of being pretty concerned. I did. How much of the men's game did you catch, Martin? Uh, I watched all of the first game. And then I didn't watch any of the second game. I built the chair that I am currently sitting in right now. This is for the second game. You know, that's probably better for you. I absolutely <laughs> got every minute of both games. And, you know, before we before we get into the big concern, just, just quick rundown. So Thursday, men opened at Sacramento State, lost 55-77. to 77. Uh, We were led by Gabe Cornett with 14 points. On 5-12 shooting, Scott Blakeney chipped in 12 points. DeAndre Roberson added 9 points and 5 rebounds off the bench. Um, Saturday, we followed up that 22-point loss with only a 16-point loss, 57-73. That's some math on the fly for you guys. Uh, Blakeney, Scott Blakeney led us with 12 points in the second game. DeAndre Roberson added 10 points and 5 rebounds off the bench. So, Really, that was it, man. We we had two games, both against Sac State. That's just how Big Sky play is going to be. Play the same team back to back, and if you if you host them, you play them at home both times. If you're on the road, you play them on the road both times. Martin, I I need to throw this to you first because mm-hmm. you are sometimes are let's just say a ray of sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't mean that pedantically, man. Let's just no, say, I get it. That's who I am naturally. I get it. Yes. 
Uh, trombone Capone or the my personal favorite. I'm always going to work in uh, trombone or reference it every single time because Chris said it once. It's going to live forever. Um, side note, we are joined today by producer Jerry from Great Falls, Montana. Listeners and probably, probably people watching, if you're watching on YouTube, you're not going to see producer Jerry's presence, but you might be familiar with him. This guy, Big Takes, he's lending his services to us today. He is the reason you to see a bunch of different graphics come up. You're going to see different URLs come up. That's all producer Jerry. But jumping back to my Ray of Sunshine, Martin. Mm-hmm. I think I need you to talk me off the ledge. Can you? I, 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 I say one more week. I give it one more. Give it one more week, and then maybe then it's time to maybe maybe just to say get on the fire, coach bandwagon. Even though this might be his own his first year. It might be time to jump off that. Granted, I'd say maybe after the. I'd say if we don't win, the is it if we don't win one of our next two games, then I'd say it's time to jump. I say it's time to that it's time to all hope is lost. Time to jump off everything and start panicking. Then. And Martin's letting us know that he does not have a future in psychotherapy based off that talking off the ledge. But um, so the reason I'm going to pull back a teeny bit, guys, which is people who've listened to the show, you know, Chris refers to me as the quote unquote professor. I'm understanding he does that uh, because you guys have heard me before my takes. I try to be fact based, try to be reasonable, you know, try to only make the you know assumptions that uh, I feel like I can effortlessly explain. So in short, I'm trying to say that before I say this next response that uh, I think I've built up some cred here on Tubbs and the Club as someone who tries to take the long view. Let's let's put it that way. I'll pat myself on the back that way. And I'm going to say we're pretty close to panic time based off what we've seen. I'm going to run through a couple things, Martin, and then I, mm-hmm. want your, I want your response. I want maybe you to tell me why I'm wrong. So those were the first first two games of season, and it's a weird season with coronavirus. We don't need to explain to everyone how weird it's going to continue to be, how atypical it's going to continue to be. The thing is, we we have we have some evidence uh, about what the team looked like last year, and what we're hoping the team can look like this year. And what I think I saw in those first two games really was almost no different. Then if this if last year's exact roster, that team that won six games against um, six games against Division One teams last year, if that team lost their lost Trayvon Allen, that's what this team just looks like. Is that we didn't get a replacement for that? And a couple a couple of big facts I want to look at first in our game uh, first game we lost. Actually, just look at both total scores: fifty five, fifty seven. That is. We just didn't have anything offensively that we can really, we should feel proud of at all. Um, Our guard play right now, if you compare it to like Eastern Washington or Montana, I just don't think we have any guards that would, would really make either of those teams. And we, we have no shot creators right now. We have to hope uh, uh, Kendall McHugh point guard from college of Southern Idaho, college Southern Idaho, who we did not see play. We have to hope that he's going to be better than what we saw from, um, our, the people who played point guard for us, which were 
David Thacker played point. Um, uh, uh, Jack, Hunter Madden played. Yeah, Madden played point guard as well. Yeah. Uh, we just got nothing out of that, but we also we have no shot creators. But on top of that, we both games were outscored massively on points off of turnovers where we scored seven points off turnovers. We forced Sacramento state into Sacramento state scored 26 off turnovers. They forced us into, you know, we have a short turnaround. You're the kind of hope that everyone has in these, with these back to backs is that if you can, the coaches can adjust and they can scheme in a way that almost feels like a playoff. Cause you typically don't play the same team twice. Well, then we turn around on Saturday. We're outscored 24 to six in points off of turnovers in two games that looked pretty close to, I mean, they're pretty much carbon copies and, you know, you know, Martin, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to filibuster you. I'm going to throw it to you in a second again, but there there's reason in my mind to be freaked out about this. Um, oh yeah. I'm going to play, I want to play an over under game with you real quick, Martin. Oh boy. It's okay. about, a big. it's about um, Idaho under Zach Kloss. So right now, uh, versus Division One teams, we have in in a year and two games under Coach Kloss, we are six and twenty six versus Division One teams, four and eighteen versus Big Sky teams. Over under double digit Big Sky losses that Kloss has had in twenty two total games, eighteen of those losses. Do we have more or less than eight double digit losses, Martin? Positive and he wants to say under, but I'm going to go over by a lot. When you say a lot. Like, I'd say 13, 14. Now, understand why you feel that way, because for just a short recap for listeners from last year, we started off our first few games at the end of non-conference and starting big sky play. We had a ton of close losses. And after those after we had enough close losses, the bottom fell out, and that's when we started to accrue these losses that I'm about to talk about. But the number of double-digit Big Sky losses is 10. So 10 out of 18 losses against Big Sky teams haven't really been close. A different question for you, Martin. Mm-hmm. Kloss has 26 total Division One losses so far in a year and two games. How many of those are by 15 points or more. I, I, I'm still going to go. Like, you want like an over-under number or just like a, just an unknown? Yeah, let's do over-under of... Okay, so now this is different than last question. Mm-hmm. Last question was just double digits, so 10 or more. Mm-hmm. This is 15-point losses or more. Is the number over or under 13 15-point losses out of 26 total losses? I'd say just. It's weird. I'd say try and. Uh, I'd say probably over by. I'd say. What was the number you wanted again? Just make thirteen sure over or under thirteen. That's half of. Uh, I'd say over losses. You say over. Mm-hmm. You're correct this time. We have fifteen losses by. Sorry, we have. I said that wrong. We have twelve total losses by fifteen or more points. So just one under having half of them. And hey guys, I gotta I gotta apologize. I gotta pause really quick. I'm in a one bedroom apartment and I am uh, getting assaulted by. Never mind. 
had an animal knocking stuff over. We're okay. That's where the extra the sound you're just hearing came from. We have 12 losses by 15 by 15 or more points out of 26 losses in Zach Zach Kloss's, uh tenure right now. And I guess I what I'm not seeing. The great thank you, producer Jerry. Yep, it was cats. No question, it was cats. What I'm seeing right now is just no progress. No, and I'm counting recruits. Scott Blakeney was solid. So I guess let's. I'm going to go give a couple positives, and Martin, I want you to give a couple positives after that, and then I'll say my big takeaways. So we and we'll transition out. My big positives are Scott Blakeney is playing aggressive, and that is great news. Uh, we are treating him as our number one scoring option. We'll get to the implications of that later. But Scott Blakeney is playing more aggressive when he gets the ball on offense. He's playing exactly like that kind of senior role player who's been playing a lot in the program for four years to play. That's that's one of the big positives to me. Uh, the other the other positive is I'm pretty high on DeAndre Roberson. He looked mm-hmm. great in both games. I hope we see him in the starting lineup pretty quick. Um, do you have any other any other positives that you saw, Martin? I think, at least from what we saw, at least from what I saw in the first game, Tanner Christensen looked good. I think he. I don't know how you would consider how he played as a fresh for his first. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really call him a freshman, but he his first first game. Like how you would consider his first. How you would have thought his first game went. His first Division One game went, and then. I guess that's my only positive. I'd say DeAndre. I'd say DeAndre looked good too. I kind of wish he would see get more minutes or even start too. Yeah, you know what? I'm with you on Tanner Christensen. He's not. He doesn't look like an All Big Sky player. You know, like right off the bat. But he certainly looks like a D1 contributor. I'm happy we have him. <laughs> he, you know, he is playing at a level where I would not be shocked if by the time he is a junior he's averaging you know let's say like 10 like 11 points eight rebounds something like that okay he's you know he's a solid opportunistic scorer he doesn't at this point look like he has like the offensive repertoire athleticism to say Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a team's leading score but he is no question d1 player he's a great add to our team Mm -hmm. but i'm going to say my biggest takeaways i'm going to transition to two less less positive things really quick um our pace was which is how many possessions we have per game. Our pace was about the same as it was last year, so we didn't really see any sort of change in overall strategy, even though we didn't have this huge influx of like different talent. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the really hard thing is that our offensive rating, which that's points per 100 possessions, or to put it really simply, if you divide the number by 100, it's your points per possession. Mm-hmm. A, good, a basically good offensive output is having an offensive rating of 100 or higher, which is that you average a point per possession. Our offense, our offensive rating in the first game was 82 and 87 in the second, so pretty close to identical. That means we're averaging less than a single point per possession. Keep in mind, if you hit a three, that buys you two possessions. You don't have to score to keep that average of one point per possession. And offense that bad, it doesn't matter how great we played defensively, which, by the way, we did not play well defensively. We surrendered a defensive rating or points per possession of one one point one five points per possession game one one point one two points per, per points per possession game two. Neither of those are close to good enough uh, to win games. Mm-hmm. But our offense, if we're if we're going to score sub sixty, if we're going to have awful efficiency metrics like we have, and the metrics are just in are just indicative of play, then we're we we're not going to have wins coming in the foreseeable future. But you know what? 
we got we have to shift away because it's it's easy to live as a vandal in the world of things are awful. And by the way, our men's situation it is pretty bad right now. Mm-hmm. It's a different world when we're talking women's basketball. Can I can I ask before we transition to basketball, women's basketball? Can I ask one question? What's your yep. even though what COVID related are you? Ha- are you kind of sad that they're not playing Gonzaga or or how do you feel about that? That is that was a big topic. Thanks for bringing that up, man. Um, that, that's a big topic on all vandals and long story short, I kind of, like, I hate to admit this, but yeah, like this playing Gonzaga in the future, if we're solid, even if we lose by a decent amount, it's a nationally televised game. Mm-hmm. So like that matters for exposure. And if we can look solid against them, you can even reasonably say, look, that, that might help recruits. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have a recruit who isn't getting recruited by a Pac-12 school, but they see us play solid against uh, Gonzaga, national power, that's a reason for a person to say, you know, what? if I go to Idaho, other good other good people will see me. Mm-hmm. But And yet, producer Jerry, Zags did dodge those vandals. Uh, number one, mm-hmm. Gonzaga they dodged, they dodged us. But this year, like, this isn't a joke. I think we could lose by 100. Oh, oh yeah. So I, yeah, I'm okay with this. What, what about you? Okay, I, I was, I didn't want to say it on, I didn't say it on social media, but I was kind of thinking it was, I kind of took it as like our only way we could have, ever could have won it was the game not being played, just because it would have been, it would have been ugly. I think, like you said, I thought it would have been probably overall we would have lost. I'd say close to 100, but I thought maybe, maybe we could have lost maybe like 170 to 70 or something like that. You think we just scored 55 against Sac State? You think we're going to hang 70 on Gonzaga? I think so. If they're playing their lower end, lower bench people, granted the lower I, bench people could be starting at us. I, I don't think we, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Hey, no, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to say I would gamble heavily. Like if the line were 70, mm-hmm. I would put every penny that I have ever earned in my life and that I will ever save on the under. <laughs> But at that great news, we got a quick we have a quick ad read, then we're gonna shift to women's basketball. We're back right now into weekly, or at least almost weekly episodes on Tubs of the Club. And with our favorite season, football season, just 80 days away if you're listening on Thursday. So if you like what we're doing here, consider giving Tubs of the Club a rating on iTunes or Spotify, share our posts on social media, or if you can, consider chipping in and helping us keep the lights on by becoming a patron to Tubbs of the Club by signing up at patreon.com slash Tubbs Club. We have a good thing going. It's only going to get better as our football team steps it up. Our men's basketball team will somehow turn around. We know that eventually. We don't know what decade, but someday. And our women's basketball team, man, they just keep going on right now. So listener support is what helps us cover operating costs while Chris, Martin, Alex, and I do our best to give you the Vandal coverage you all need. And you know what? You're not getting it anywhere else. So sign up to our Patreon or make a one-time gift at paypal.me backslash tubs of the club. And a quick thank you to all our, all the, all everyone who signed up for our Patreon. We have tub card members, Dallas Hammer and Matthew Janicek. We have tub token members or member Nick Stutzman and our premium drink token members, Nick Weber, Dave Ellison, Taylor Cash, Darren Kozak, and if I butchered anyone's names, guys, just forgive me. We value every download. We value every donation. Thank you. 
And with that, Martin, get us caught up on the women's games. Yeah, it was kind of opposite. They first game they won 97-73. Nine Vandals scored. They Natty had a double, had a double double with 15 points, 13 rebounds, going kind of building on what happened last year before the season got cut short and the before the conference title game. Both freshmen Sydney Gandy and Paris Ashley chipped in with 14 points of their debuts, and their second game was a little more low scoring, but still they won by 11, this time 81-70. To Beyonce led the scoring with 17. Natty had and Natty broke a record, but broke a Memgrim record with 19 rebounds, putting her into nine, putting her into ninth in rebounds all time, tied with Karen. Ponisa and friend of the pod, Alyssa Charleston. That's how their first two first two games went. Our women's basketball team, and I don't mean this to sound like fanboy or something like that. We play an absolutely fantastic style of basketball. It's the kind of style I really wish our men both could ha- both played and had the athletes to make it work. I don't think we currently have the athletes to make it work, but in in short. Our women play almost what's called positionless basketball. Positionless basketball is when the specific positions given to a player like point guard or center, they are they of course exist, but they don't actually matter that much because many people handle the ball. Many people can shoot. This team doesn't do a ton of post-ups. What we do is we spread the floor, we attack the basket, and we, we do a lot of kickouts for threes, but this team certainly does not just shoot a ton of threes. In fact, of our 97 points we scored in the first game, 56 of those points came in the paint, and we didn't get those points in the paint off post-ups. That's penetration. That's putbacks. You know, we, we essentially, Sac State's a perimeter-oriented team, and we destroyed them at their own game. Uh, also, we saw Cabby Harrington fr- transfer from Montana, big first game, 12, 12 points. Uh, from what I saw, Man, I, this is the team's just fun. Like we, yeah. we have a, a lot. Of, it's a nice a palate. Of, it's a nice palate cleanser after the men's game. We well, yeah, a lot of our women are real skilled. And when I say that, now if you watch a men's game, Scott Blakeney, who of course is a solid catch and shoot guy, we know we don't really want him handling the ball that much. But if you watch the women, seriously, four out of the five people on the floor at any time are absolutely fine to handle the ball in transition. Usually, four out of five players are absolutely fine to shoot threes. And even though we we still have all that perimeter skill, it's not like we're small. It's just we we have we have players who are well rounded, and we almost universally are playing four or five people who can handle the ball well and are at least you know adequate shooting threats. It's nice to have that again. It's nice to just be able to pat. You can expect you can anybody can score on the team. It's not just like oh you don't have you can have to say even though now you've not like the defense. You have to keep they can at least always keep the opposing team guessing no matter what they're not just like yo you have to double team somebody you have to guard everybody because anybody on the team can like you said anybody can score no matter what and handle the ball yeah and you know it was like that both games and you know i watched this this year i'm trying to watch a little bit more women's basketball um it's not that i ever dislike women's basketball i just grew up playing playing boys basketball as a kid and like many people, I watched what I grew up doing. So I'm making a concerted effort to watch more wins basketball. This was not this was not a hard shift, guys. Like they're the team is just good. They play a fun style. They move the ball around a ton. We don't do a lot of the like 
the things that I get frustrated with the men's team about sometimes of our offensive strategy with the men's team is it's a motion offense that has a lot. It's based off trying to create confusion within the three point line. But when that doesn't work, it just clogs the key and guards can't do anything. Whereas our women, we, we spread the floor. We have some principles that I'd call like some people might call European uh, or, you know, analogous, like what people think of as the San Antonio Spurs or Golden State Warriors in playing style. I mean, as in we move the ball around pretty quick. Uh, we do our best to get penetration and get, you know, open shots via kickouts. A great thing to do, guys. Seriously, every time. And th- this is just an offensive movement that it's we this is not a play. This is a repeated motion. Watch what happens when our team has a woman get catch the ball in the corner. They will almost universally go for penetration, sometimes with a screen, but it's actually this is actually a three-person rotation where if you see a woman driving in from the corner, you're going to see a kick out to a wing and then an immediate swing pass towards the top of the key. That's how we get a ton of our wide-open threes because, again, that's an offensive set that the entire point of that penetration is to set up the second pass. Half of the time, man, it, it, it's just, it is hard to really stop talking about how, how much fun I, I thought it oh, was. Oh, yeah. It's- it, yeah, it's they're nice. It's a nice it's nice to have something good positive going on with this with basketball even at, basketball at this school. Yeah, you know, and we've when we we've talked on the show about mm-hmm. how how the women's team has been good for a while and it's great to see that that's obviously going nowhere. Um, we also got a little bit of an answer I think. Now not a complete answer. We were curious last episode is this team going to be Last team, relative to just how Idaho had been, our women's team, though we finished second in the league, we were, we relied on our defense a little bit more than our offense, mm-hmm. uh, slightly slower pace. I think we got an answer. Uh, oh, yeah. Is this team going to be similar pace-wise? And though Sac State, their women's team, does play a faster pace anyway, they they try to jack up a ton of threes, not in the way our team is that I described, but like mm-hmm. that's just their strategy, is if they make enough of the threes they jack up, they'll win. Otherwise, they'll get killed. Um we're gonna we're gonna play play faster pace. If if this la- these first two games were any indication, we're gonna we're gonna play a faster pace. But Martin, th- there are also I mean, no matter how well we do, there's always some things that we have to look at, pay attention to, because not every team is Sac State. We, we yeah. do have some good good big sky teams we're gonna oh, play yeah. later. Do you have any any points of play that you I don't know that that you that you saw and they gave you maybe that nagging question of like okay, well maybe this is. Is this going to haunt them? In, this team will get better, but will this haunt them in the tournament? I, I, I wouldn't say there's anything that could, that could haunt them in the tournament. I think, if anything, they could. Uh, I think one thing I've always kind of maybe say is like I think they have enough after why it's, it's it is Sacramento State, so they're not maybe a good idea of what the rest of the, how like they might do against a, a Montana state or a, a Montana, for example, to the teams that beat Idaho mm-hmm. last year. I think they do. I think it's a, one thing I think they could maybe do is better job is like, they could maybe play, play to their, to play to their strengths. They have, I think they have the players to match up with anybody. It's just a matter of how, if they can execute it, execute. And then also, I'm trying to think of the way way to word this right. They could be more aggressive on defense. Like say if let's say NAU, for example, they love to shoot the three and they have some players that can just drain them for days. Like I think they have players that can match up well that can stop it, and that they also have like the 
post players and just like the inside players like Natty and Beyonce that can do that. I think you may be, I think they're going to be able to try, they can trust more players to having to go, go for just stopping one thing. They have enough players to spread it out and spread it out and do things. Trust the players themselves, not have to like use more than one player. I'm trying to think of how way to word that properly, but yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm kind of just stumbled at the end there. Are you talking about double teams? Yeah, Dante. Yeah, double legs. Yeah, having a double team players like I think they have enough better players. Like the defense is good enough to where I think they don't have to do that double team as much. They can maybe go one on one or might not the. Yeah, that yes, that that's what I'm trying to talk about, Brian. Sorry. Someday we'll forgive you, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the big question I had after watching, and again, I, I'm yeah. high on our women's team. Yeah. We will probably see when we play Idaho State. Idaho State's really the team that in my mind I'm a little more thinking, okay, like this is probably the biggest threat. No, Montana State looks like they're they've replaced Fallon Freegy, but Idaho State plays a more physical style. They play, they do play a style that tries to slow it down. And this team, though we're solid at we're, we're solid as shooters, I would say the strength of this team is not actually as three shooters. It's mm-hmm. as having skilled people who can penetrate and oh, having yeah. those penetrations create your shots. Sometimes they're threes, of course they aren't always. Mm-hmm. Idaho State's a team that physically they're first off, they're going to try to slow the game down by simply being physical, which if you, if you don't know that term in basketball, it just means defensively, there's a lot more contact. They're doing everything they can to disrupt your offense or doing everything they can to slow it down. That includes their offensive strategy of just holding on to the ball longer. When you hold on to the ball longer, the other team can't have the ball. Um, this team certainly looks like they'll be able, they, they won't be outclassed or anything in Idaho state, but you know, if there's anything that I'm curious about is how this team will match up when we play one of those teams that is a little bit more talented, who slows, who who does slow it down purposefully. Uh, because if you could contain some of the drives on this mm-hmm. team, again, like we have some good shooters, no question. I don't think this oh, team okay. need. I think this team should. Their calling card is dribble penetration to win games. Mm-hmm. And if a team can make what we have to do to win games, make threes because they can take away some of that dribble penetration. They can take away some of our transition offense. I think that's the recipe to beat this Idaho team. I don't think very many big sky teams are going to have a chance at being able to do that, but there are teams that are that Idaho state is the big one that I, I would say they will be much more intentional about Mm. slowing the pace, winning the rebound battle, which makes transition scoring harder. Um, but again, like that's we're kind of nitpicking. We're talking about yeah. what could prevent this team from making the NCAA tournament. Okay. Uh, we're not talking about is this team gonna, you know, only win ten games or something like that. No, no. We my takeaway is we should be pretty happy about this team. Oh yeah. So before we talk about the big events coming up, Martin, Martin, any final, any last points you wanna want to make sure everyone has from what you saw? I just think I expect them to be able to do. I think it's everything this did say this team's just gonna be more well rounded this year instead of just maybe having two, like three or four players that you kinda have to expect one of them to have a big game. I think it can be more everything can be more spread out and you might know you're you might know more about you might know what you're gonna get out of every player as a fan as a person watching them. If that makes sense. Okay. 
It does. But we've got a big well, – I mean, no fans are there, so maybe that caps it. But we've got a big event we got to touch on really quick, which is the Battle of, of the Palouse. Mm-hmm. It is too strong. It is too entrenched for even COVID to stop. Mm-hmm. And it's happening both men's and women's this year. Men tip off Wednesday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Women tip off Saturday, December 13th at 6.30 p.m. And as producer Jerry is letting us know, in the last three years, our, our men's series, we've split this. Even though things aren't going well the last couple of years, Idaho is 3-3 three and three against WSU in the past six years. That's back 12 team. That matters. Now, downside, it's not a spoiler to let people know that the Cougs have won the past two, and Idaho is, uh, let's just say, not favored. This time around, uh, Washington State. Now, Martin, did you catch any of uh, Washington State, Eastern Washington, when Eastern Washington almost won, suiting up only, no, playing only I, guys? I remember you got. I remember you tweeting about it, and then I think I was watching, kind of following along through Theo Theo Lawson's tweets, just kind of seeing like, oh, this is this team's. I yeah, I did. That's all I really followed about them. I didn't. I kind of saw your stuff, but I didn't really read too much into it. Okay, well this. This iteration of Washington State, their men's team, they are 3-0 right now. Uh, no, no huge win against Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington is a good basketball team. But no, uh, let's say no Power 5 wins at this point because they have no power. WC has no Power 5 games on the schedule. They're led right now by a, uh, by a guard with a big sky connection. Uh, believe it or not, Isaac Bonton, starting point guard for Washington State, is a Montana State refugee. Uh, he he's from the Brian Fish era. Transferred after Harold Frey transferred when Harold Frey came, and Bonton wasn't made the go-to player uh, at this right off the bat. That is a uh, story based off of listening to the Two Tone the Wanda's show, and they are the people to listen to if you want to know about Montana, Montana State. But Bonton has uh, taken over WSU. He's their number one scoring option. He's really their only shot creator. He's averaging 18 points a game this season, five rebounds. Although what you'll see is he's what we call a volume shooter. Like he only shot about 34% from the field last season. I will call him forever my favorite 30% shooter in the history of basketball. He's, he's a good player. He's a guy for Idaho fans to watch if you watch this. Uh, second impact player for Washington State, Noah Williams, sophomore, 6'5 six, six, guard out of Seattle, Washington. He is not a Montana State refugee, but he did go to O'Day High School in Seattle, which is actually – Actually, where Xavier Smith from a couple years ago is a former O'Day High School alum. Not that matters for you guys, but a little trivia. Williams averaging 10 points, five rebounds game for WSU. Um, my, ta- my, my thoughts after seeing WSU, after seeing Idaho, is for Idaho to be competitive in this game. And, and that that is really what I'm cons- what I'm looking at is Phase one, can we go back to being competitive like we were at the start of last season? For us to be competitive, we first off, we are going to have to significantly undo that turnover, that points off turnover issue I talked mm-hmm. about earlier. Outscored by around 20 points per game against Sac State. Sac State's pick to finish towards the end of the Big Sky Conference. We, If we get killed with that level of turnovers against Sac State, we absolutely can't do that against Washington State. Washington State, under head coach Kyle Smith, 
it's kind of a little bit more of a defensive oriented team in the first place. So uh, the turnover issue is absolutely going to be a pro- something we have to we have to have a hold of if we're going to be competitive at all. We also we have got to get something a little bit more out of our guards or hope that we, we see a guard like Kendall McHugh play because he's you know healthy or something like that, and that we just didn't see a couple guys play that because we had concerns about health or we, you know I'm not speculating, but like maybe someone got had COVID a while back and they're not a hundred percent yet, so we chose to wait till they're hundred percent. We have to hope something weird like that happens uh, because otherwise. I mean, really, from what I saw of our guards, like we just we have a bunch of like I talked about in the in the preview, we've got a bunch of of complementary pieces. We don't have a lean. We we have not seen a guard who could take over a game in any sort of facet yet for us. And we're going to have to engineer points against what like a team like Washington State to keep it close. So I'd actually expect maybe we even slow the pace down further. Uh, try to make it inside oriented game, try to make it ugly. If we can keep the score about, you know, 60, if we keep WSU around 60 ish, then maybe we got a shot. Martin, anything you think I missed on the men's side there? No, you, you hit the nail. That's what I was going to say. Like if they can slow, like you said, slow it down, then maybe they have a chance. So let's pretend that you are, you're going to describe who the impact players are. Cause I'm about mm-hmm. to ask you who the impact players are um, for Idaho. Are there any, any one or two players that you are really going to look at to see like, Hey, maybe we get more minutes out of them or maybe we can get more production. Yeah. For the men's, I'd say, yeah, I think if Deandre is going to, if I was going to have any shot, it's got to be like him shooting lights out or Scott Blakeney having an out of this world game or something like that. That's what it might take for Idaho. Yeah, impact players or impact might be the wrong term. Oh, yeah. Let's just say that we're players that I think we need to kind of watch as in maybe they can oh, okay. maybe they can be more than we saw earlier. And, and no, like you, you flagged the first one. Scott but the first one I'd say Scott Blake needs DeAndre Roberson. For God's sake, DeAndre Roberson needs to start on that team. I just based off what we saw, he looks like a great catch and shoot guy. He's he's a little bit taller. Right, Robinson, forgive me. Thanks. Thanks, producer Jerry. Uh DeAndre Robinson. Um, yeah, he's a good catch and shoot player, solid athlete, not, not a fantastic ball handler. He's not going to, he's not going to keep his scholarship based off being able to put it on the floor and get by guys, but he looks like we, what we call really a really solid three and D player, which is a complimentary piece, but he looks like a guy who maybe could average around 10 points a game, mostly off catch and shoot and then some putbacks. So yeah, DeAndre Robinson's guy I'm going to pay attention to. Scott Blakeney is obviously our number one scoring option based off what Zach Kloss is trying to do. So if he can get 10 or 12, that's going to be a big deal. From guards, man, from what we saw, Ethan Kilgore doesn't look ready. Hunter Madden doesn't look ready. Uh, Chance Garvin's not going to be ready. He's a great story. He's just not going to be uh, a heavy scorer at all. That's just not who he is. Gabe Quinette is the guard getting the most reps right now on our team. So if Gabe Quinette can have a, a better shooting game, which he got the reps in the first two games, he just didn't shoot a fantastic percentage, but we know he can hit, we know he can get hot and hit a few threes. You know, if we can get production, high end production, let's say out of Quinette, that's probably what I'd say I'm looking at. Cause I know at this point, Zach Kloss was starting him. And even though Quinette was a walk on last year, there's no question that if he's starting Quinette, He's getting, you know, Quinette's putting up double-digit shots each game. Then Kloss thinks he's got the ability to be a scorer. We, we just have to hope that he's right. Mm-hmm. And 
Martin, with that, we don't usually have Battle, Battle of the Blues for Women every year, do we? Mm -hmm. No. It's been, what, since 2008, was it? Last one? I don't take your word for it. Yeah. It's been, it's been a very long time. Since way before I I was a vandal or coming to Idaho was even on my radar, it's been since then. Since we played. Do so do you have any in your mind keys to the game for our women? Oh, December two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah, man, you were right. That was a nice pull. December two thousand eight's the last time uh WSU and Idaho women played. Uh can you do you mind running us through a any sort of quick, re any sort of, I don't know, preview for this real quick, Martin, of what you, you know, let's say keys to the game, key players that you want to see. And let's just, let's just let, let it go without saying Gina Markson made first team all big sky last yeah. year. She was preseason pre all big sky this year. She's an impact player. Let's talk about, let's see if we, uh, there's some other names you think we need to watch for. I think the obvious one besides Gina and Beyonce is uh, Natalie Klinker. I think she's, she had 19 rebounds. I think that's something you got to, Watch out for if Natty's getting that against a. Granted, they do they were pro, project they were voted in twelfth in the Pac twelve polls. If Natty's getting that kind of rebounds against a Pac twelve school, then Idaho's doing something right, and they're obvious they're winning that kind of battle. That's I think which is a big one, which we absolutely need because right now all time women's record versus WSU. 26 and 13. We got We have to keep that record where it is. Mm -hmm. Actually, sorry, no, Cougs are 26 and 13. Yeah. That makes us 13 and 26. We got to turn that around. Yeah. I'll learn how to read too. But yeah, we, we absolutely have to turn that around. 13, 26 against WSU. Yeah, they're the bigger school, but uh, mm -hmm. no, man, we, we can't have that. We're, we're, plus their former coach a team, is, a, is a big, is a former big sky coach at Northern Colorado, if I remember right, if she's still there. I can't believe anyone left the long grass of Greeley for, Pullman, but <laughs> people, people might make, make mistakes all the time. Yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, we we need to get a 14th win. We we can't have them doubling us up at 26 13. Uh, this is the kind of this is the kind of roster that I think you know it's uh could maybe turn around. I'm gonna say I'm look I'm watching Gabby Harrington. Oh again. yeah, um, Gabby Harrington. You know she's she, you know she plays plays guard. She plays wing. She's Strong, she's a good, strong enough athlete. To, you know, she's a strong penetrator, solid catch and shoot player. Uh, you're obviously you're not going to throw in the post to her because our team doesn't really throw in the post in the first place, which is fantastic news. But uh, I want to see. I want to see if um, she's kind of like she was. Looks like a pretty solid third score mm -hmm. in our first two games. I want to see if that's a mirage from Sac State's kind of weird pace, or whether we're going to see that repeated. We know she's been a big sky contributor. You know, mm -hmm. when she was at University of Montana, but may, may, maybe being in a roster like this where you can't give too much defensive attention to any single player other than like Gina oh, yeah. Markson, maybe that gives her better opportunities than she would have at University of Montana. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, question for you um, I'm going to do yes. a. Do you have a any sort of corner stool take score projection of the women's game? I don't want to do a score uh, corner stool take for the men's game. I don't want to depress anyone. <laughs> Oh come on! You could have, how about for the game after that? Where they have a chance, maybe. <laughs> oh, we do have Cal, Cal Bakersfield after that. Yeah. I think if they're if Idaho's to win, it's going to be, I'd say like a seventy-eight, seventy-three win, something like kind of a 
close in the fourth quarter and then Idaho pulls away. It's not going to be like the was was the I think it was the Sac State first game where it was like ninety seven to eighty or something like that. At least something like an eighty one seventy or seventy eight seventy three something in that. I'd say seventy eight seventy three is probably what I'd go with. Yeah, I'm going to go with the preposterous hot take that, and I say preposterous because. I, it, it's just hard to project the Big Sky team winning by a ton against a Pac-12 team because why would you? Um, I'm going to say I expect our women win by seven. Okay. Our men will lose by more than seven. I, If I had to put a score on it, look, WSU is not a super high-scoring team. Yeah. So <clears throat> maybe we get another 70 to like 55, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but if we can keep it within five, I mean, this is, again, this is we're going to circle back to that whole is it time to hit the panic button thing with our current situation on team. If you're talking yourself into a moral victory of, yeah, we're, we're trying to just not lose by 15. That, that's telling you that you're, that's damning with faint praise. That's the, if we're talking politics, that's a soft bigotry of low expectations. If your expectations are that low, uh, it's a problem, but we always have the women's team. And just so, just so people know, because we're we're about to call it a day. Our men also play Cal Bakersfield this week on Saturday. Women play Texas Tech before Texas Washington State. Oh, Texas! Thank you. That's why we have you on. You're going to fact check me. Nope, that was horns down. Didn't mean to do that. Did not mean to do that. But yeah, uh, men have Cal, Cal CSU Bakersfield December 12th. We had we were supposed to have Gonzaga on. Monday, December 14th, that's been canceled. Our final non-conference games for is at University of Utah, December 18th. Then little break, and right around New Year's back, our men play NAU at home, December 31st, January 2nd. So I guess that's kind of light, a light at the end of the tunnel. We have NAU coming. They look pretty bad, too. That's what we're looking for for men's. Mm-hmm. Martin, we have been on here. We're not at an hour yet. We're, we're, our time's all right. And it's only because we have producer Jerry in the background telling us, hey, Brian, hurry the hell up. <laughs> but I think it's time to sign off. What do you got going on in your life other than tuning into these games? Other than that, I don't have too much. I'm going to be, if follow along, like for next, I know next, next Wednesday, December 16th is going to be signing day for football. And so follow me on that with, Whatever I have planned for that, it'll be kind of some other to talk football also on top of basketball. That's what I got going right now, getting ready for that. And I'll someday remember we called it closing the bar. But before we – what I'm going to close the bar on is we already announced this on Twitter, but we have a huge event for Tubbs and Club coming up for our next episode. We have the man, the myth, the legend. Chuck Staven. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep. You know what? The men's team is doing so bad. We wanted to make everyone hate Idaho sports. We got Chuck. He was, I don't know how. I mean, he's a busy, he's a busy guy teaching. Yep. Uh, but we got him. No, dude, we, we don't have Chuck Staben. We are, we've already, we're, we're trying to get past dead horses. Mm-hmm. We have the tailgater himself. C. Scott Green is going to be on our next episode. We're, of course, going to be interviewing before the episode, so it's not not going to go live the same way these ones do Tuesday in the evening. But if you guys have questions for us, make sure to send – we're going to do a call on Twitter, but make sure to send them out 
to our new hashtag Ask Tubs. We've already had a few that have been sent into us. We, we, of course, we know our questions we care about, but seriously, listeners, if this is, we haven't had a chance to have an interview like this. We, we had Mahmoud on from the athletic department, associate athletic director, head of the VSF. We, we've done this extensive research and we have figured out that our listeners would love to hear from Terry Golick. We are still in the uh, process of trying, but we moved a step above Terry. We got C Scott green. If you got questions for us, Make sure to let us know. We're going to be airing the episode at, it looked like December 17th at 7.30 a.m. Yep, that's that's right when there. we're going to be, yep, that's when the interview goes, waking up bright and early. But that's what I got going on, man. I'm pretty stoked about the interview with C. Scott Green. I'm, about you, I'm excited Martin. to listen to that. I'm yeah. excited to listen to that. Yeah, you know, I everything I've seen about him, I'm pretty stoked about. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was certainly, I think he was, it appears he was the right guy at the right time. I'm here. I'm excited to hear from him um, about his, you know, more details about what he thinks we should pay attention to the things he's most proud of all that kind of stuff. But I remember use hashtag ask tubs to get to us. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. You guys all know Martin's handle. We talked about him a few times and now it's time for the best band in all the land to play us out. The sound of Idaho. Go Vandals. Woo! Go Vandals. Go Vandals.